0: All right, everyone, welcome back to Tampa Bay Cop Talk. I'm Darius, that's Jordan, and we are ready to talk some football. So, Jordan, we've had some, you know, interesting matches lately. We've got some big ones coming up. So we're going to look at this whole League Cup thing, and obviously we've got a a very busy schedule coming up, so we'll be going thick and fast through this one. Let's start with the last week, going through the EFL Cup, the the Taco Bell of football, as we refer (laughs) to it. So a 7-2 drubbing of Lincoln City. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, um, you know, in our, in our Taco Bell episode, we, uh, we talked about fixing the League Cup and what makes it more interesting. And one of the things that we did bring up and touch on was if our B squad is able to do well in the competition and go far, I think we'll be more interested in it. I think we saw with the 7-2 drubbing just from the reaction and even personally at home if you were watching it, it was exciting. It was good to see people like Shaq score goals, Minamino score a couple, Curtis Jones banging a few. It was fun watching Divock Origi, Harvey Elliott, and the like of them link up, seeing Shimikas send cross-field balls across the pitch. Uh, for no apparent reason other than to show us all that he can do it. Uh, it was good, man. And I think going forward, we have to – I think the big overwhelming thing coming out of that is anyone who has been continuing to say that we don't have depth, I think that, I think that argument is, is null and void now. And it was Lincoln City. But like I've been telling people, you know, you have to beat – if you play those teams, you have to beat them in the style that we beat them to show that you're as good as you are.
0: And, I mean, that was the whole thing that I think everyone got out of it. It's not just the fact that, oh, they beat Lincoln City 7-2, but it's, wow, this was really the whole side was subbed. You didn't have, other than Virgil van Dyke anyone who you're going to expect to start coming up at this weekend. So it's really a a nice thing to see where you can have a whole sub side. And they're still boss. Like, the depth was on display. That's got to give us a little bit of encouragement when you go forward and look at the rest of the competitions outside of the Premier League. Yeah, and I mean, that we beat a
1: team down the table 7-2 is no small feat. Like, again, Man United beat Luton Town 3-0. Like, it's it's not a given that you're going to go out there and smash these teams. We've been there before where we've played teams like Exeter City and drawn them in the FA Cup, you know. Um, it, it's promising, and like we've said before, and we said it in the in the preview of the season, uh, we have a B squad now that is, is is fairly, fairly good. And after seeing that performance, I still stand by my – uh, evaluation of the talent, and that I think that they could beat most of the bottom ten sides in the Premier League.
0: So, when you w- when you look at that match, there's a number of impressive performances. You look at the two goals from Curtis Jordan. Or C- Curtis Jordan! I see. I, <laughs> I see guess, your Zoom name, name there. You changed it to, to Curtis Jordan. <laughs> Curtis Jones. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Curtis Jones with the beautiful curls and the beautiful cur- beautiful curlers going in. You get a couple yeah. of goals from Takumi Minamino. He's got his own song going now, by the way. Go ahead and look at it on our page. You, yeah. you, you've got a lot of good vibes coming from the team. Even someone like Divock who you thought, eh, maybe he's going to get sold off. And you see impressive performances all across the pitch. But if you kind of had to pick one man of the match coming out of it, I mean, are you thinking it's your man, Curtis Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I personally, the, the,
1: the person that I think that match did the most for was Takumi Minamino um obviously we 've been waiting for him to break through, have his moment where he shows his worth, why we bought him there 's been a lot of talk from the coaching team and even from from us that like, follow the team about how he 's going to be so great, but we really haven 't seen you know it bear fruit yet and I think when you saw some of the goals he scored, some of the passing he put together, you can see now like oh wait that 's he 's a boss player you got the song going right uh go to our page and watch it i 'll give you a quick rendition uh Minamino, here we go again. Why, why Salzburg ever let you go? It's a banger. It is, and he deserves it. He deserves it. I think I, but that's the player I would put the most stock in his performance because you know, in some ways, he he's probably the best player in that B
0: squad, and he showed it. Well, he was an absolute poacher with both of his goals. You see, the one he gets deflected outside the box goes top bins right side, and then the second one deflection lands right for him. He goes and attacks it. I mean, you 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 would think the way that you know, he's kind of built. Oh, he's just an attacking mid. He's going to be a guy who comes in late into the box. No, he's, he plays like a number nine. I mean, sure, he can still do the length play and play that Firmino role as a, a false nine. But, I mean, the way the dude attacks the ball, he may not be doing it in, in leaping, towering headers over center backs, but he plays like a Klopp system number nine, which I think is really exciting to see, knowing that, okay, they do have cover for Bobby. We good there. And, yeah, yeah two goals, two bangers. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And then, yeah, closely following behind would be Curtis Jones, because, yeah, I mean, you got to be excited about young scouts talent that comes through the team. And it's been a long time since we've had a player that we've hyped that is actually delivered. Mm-hmm. I remember Ben Woodburn scoring in a League Cup or something like that. And all of us getting excited about that. We got excited about Harry Wilson. We got excited about Ryan Brewster. But Curtis Jones is actually delivering upon the excitement and the hype. And that was good to see as well.
0: Yeah, and it's just so good to see him go in. And you already know he has that confidence going in. I mean, he he plays with that kind of swagger. But to go and have that affirmed with a couple of goals is absolutely class. I mean, people around the league are really starting to recognize him. And, I mean, you can attest to how upset I was that I didn't have him in my squad going into the Lincoln City game. I forgot yeah. to put him in. But yeah. we, we we can't be surprised by anything he does at this point. We know how boss he is. I mean, he's been doing this – for a whole year plus. And, I mean, getting the goal against Everton in the FA Cup last year, getting a goal in the Premier League, uh, yeah, I mean, he's just been – he's been so fun to watch. So it's, it's really fun to see what's going to happen with this B squad moving forward. And one of the things I do want to kind of get, get on real quick before we, we move off of this game, one guy who we didn't see. We didn't see rian Brewster, right? So real quick, let's just kind of mention – The fact that there's been so many different uh, things swirling around. Will he stay? Will he go? Personally, Jordan, what are you thinking about right now when it comes to Rian Brewster?
1: Yeah, I mean, football comes at you really fast. It comes at you really, really fast. Things change very, very quickly. Um, It wasn't too long ago. We were going into a charity shield or a community shield match. And the thought was that Rian Brewster was going to make an appearance at some point. And we were all very excited about that. Uh, he goes on, he misses a penalty. And I'm not saying missing the penalty has anything to do with the decision making. But since, that, since he missed that penalty, he's kind of been pushed down the pecking order for one reason or another. Um, I don't know if it's just in training he hasn't been showing up. Uh, if it's that he actually wants to leave so he can get more playing time. We do have to remember that two years ago when we re-upped his contract, it was with the explicit promise that we would give him a lot more playing time. Um, and that really hasn't happened for one reason or another. I don't begrudge a kid at that age who thinks that he's good enough, and honestly, given that he's sniffing around our first team, is good enough to go start somewhere else. He proved that at Swansea. Um, I have to believe that the rumors are true, given that he didn't make an appearance for the squad even in the League Cup. Like Harry Wilson made the bench and re did. Um, So if he goes, I hope the buyback clauses are true. But we've seen this a lot with a lot of players where we think they're promising. We let them go with a little bit of regret and they don't end up coming good. I'm not saying that's the case with Ryan Brewster. I think he has loads of talent. I think he's a natural finisher. But as we discussed originally about whether we keep him or sell him, and I think you brought it up, is he really the type of number nine that fits in our type of system? Maybe not. So I'd be sad to see him go because like, again, I love getting hyped about young players. I want to believe that we are growing the next Lionel Messi or Virgil van Dyke in our Academy. And I always want to see that happen. Um, Liverpool has a a strong history of bringing up talented players through the Academy, Stephen Gerrard, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, et cetera, et cetera, Jamie Carragher. Um, But sometimes it isn't to be most times it isn't to be. And, Hopefully, if we do sell him, there is a buyback clause in there. I heard that we're going to sell him to maybe Villa for $25 which is outrageous for a player that has never played Premier League football. (laughs) Um, But I hope there's a buyback clause because I do think he has loads of talent. Um, He was almost the next Jadon Sancho. The Bundesliga teams were trying to sign him and bring him over to be a first-teamer. So the talent's there. And I'm a little disappointed he hasn't been able to kick on and force his way into the team. But if his way of developing – does it go out and get game time somewhere else? I can't begrudge it. How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, the strongest links that we saw as far as who would be in for them, Sheffield United. Uh, we even saw Crystal Palace linked for a $19 million move with five in, um, in, in bonuses. Add-ons. Uh, yeah. And add-ons, you're right, to go up to um, in that 24, 25 range. But I still think that if you're Liverpool, you don't want to see him go. Because, I mean, think about it. Divock if you go and sell him, which I can really see 20 to 25 mil for uh, him to go another team in the league or even, say, in Germany, would be totally in for for Divock Then all of a sudden, now he moves up to pecking order. So I just I, – I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you should move off of Rion Brewster because he hasn't done anything to show that he's not the real deal. The only time he's gone and really played consistent football – has been um, in, in recent years, I should say, has been with Swansea, and he scored, what, 11 goals in 22 matches? So yeah, what's, what's the point of trying to move off of him rather than working with a kid who is still not old enough to buy a legal drink here in the U.S.? Maybe yeah. you could develop him and work on him and getting it to be that Klopp number nine, even though right now we, we know he's an out-and-out goal scorer. He still has to work on those other things to play the, the nine role for uh, this Liverpool system, but I certainly think he can do so. So yeah. I think it's worth worth keeping him and uh, keep working with him. Although, you know, he may want to go and play right away. And if he puts in that request, I do you think he should honor it?
1: Yeah, I, and, and as always, to, to, to bookend that this kind of short little conversation with Ream Brewster, I trust uh, the people at the club in regards to transfers and what they want to do. And so if they say that he can go, then I trust it. If they keep a hold of him, I trust it as well. Um, but, yeah, he didn't, he didn't feature in the League Cup, and we kind of all expected it and hoped for it. And uh, it didn't happen, which says a lot, really. And I think Klopp was asked about it. And he's like, I have nothing to say about this situation. You know how this goes. And when he says, you know how this goes, even though he's trying to be coy, what he's really saying, is, is "There's stuff going on behind the scenes that I can't talk about?
0: <laughs> how long was it for Tiago? He's just like, eh, maybe. I don't know. We yeah. have something. We yeah. don't. I don't know. He said, it looks promising. <laughs> it looks promising. <laughs> And he just throws out his belly lap. (laughs) And then, of course, Tiago's there a couple weeks later.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But um, point being, we won the League Cup. And speaking of the League Cup, we did do a pre-match podcast for Lincoln City where we discussed fixing the League Cup, if that's even possible. Here's a little clip from that. Feel free to go check it out.
2: It's an opportunity to just completely experiment, right? So just throw the competition format out. Don't have it be a normal cup competition. So, you know, like one idea that I was thought might be interesting is you just have, since it's only the teams in league football anyways, right? So you just have the teams in each league go to a, like a playoff format, basically. The winner of each league faces, so like the league two and league one winners would face each other, championship and prem winners would face each other, and then you just basically would be like a, a four-team tournament at the end of those little league tournaments. So you can only get one Prem team with a shot to win it instead of two. You can only get one championship team, and everybody has a chance. It opens it up a little bit more so that, like, if someone has, like, a a glorious one-off, it has a little bit more meaning. You know what I mean? All right, and we are
1: back. And now to the main event. We do play Arsenal in the Premier League on the weekend. They are currently one of our top-of-the-table challengers. Uh, Just real quick, if you didn't know, they beat Fulham opening day 3-0. They beat West Ham last weekend 2-1. Looking at Arsenal, Darius, what are your
0: impressions of this of their squad and their team? Well, I would say it's impressive what they've done. They haven't really added any players that should be of significance to their back line. But they're a better more well-rounded team than they have been in the past because what we always think of with Arsenal because of, you know, really the high-scoring games Liverpool have had with them, great team going forward, but at the back, they're a mess. David Lewis being in there, I mean, insert any meme that you want. But they've played better all-around football. Now, that could be with the competition that they've played so far, but you don't have to go too far back and look at what they did in the FA Cup last year going and winning the FA Cup and then obviously uh what they did in the community shield with liverpool where you could tell that's a more a more mature side that's not just a team that's like oh well they got lucky because we didn't have our best players on it's like no they play team football and you have to appreciate that and funny enough i, I honestly think one of their better signings was bringing in willian and it's it it's it's, it's nice having an attacking player going forward who will track back you can kind of play that that's it always will roll if you want him to as a number 10 or you can throw him out on the wing as they have been but he's going to go and play complete um you, you hear you hear from coaches a, a lot just in any sport that defense isn't anything on one player it has to be a team commitment and clearly Arsenal have made that commitment Mikel Arteta has gotten everyone to buy in from front to back and it's impressive seeing how it's kind of come together
1: Yeah, I mean, um, they did make one center back signing, I think, so far. Gabby Douglas from Lille, I believe. Um, But, yeah, you're you're right in a sense of, like, it's impressive that this team that was under uh, Unai Emery that looked just dysfunctional and all over the place and didn't have a clue how to play football, uh, in the space of half a season, nine months, has been able to turn it around very drastically. Now, I know you look at the way they finished last season in the table, and – you know, you might be inclined to think, well, did they really turn around? But like you pointed out, the FA Cup run. And one of the more important aspects for this Arsenal team and that FA Cup run is that, you know, it's like when we finally won the Champions League. I'm not comparing the FA Cup to the Champions League, but when you win a thing as a team, it instills the belief. It instills trusting the process. And it's not even just that they won the FA Cup, but they beat Man City. They beat Man United. Um, they had to run the gauntlet a bit and, and, and face some good teams. And Mikel Arteta reminds me uh, a bit of Rafa Benitez in a sense, um, where tactically he is probably one of the top managers in the league now. And Klopp even gave him props. I know he's young. I know he's new and fresh. But look what happened to Man City after Pe- uh, Mikel Arteta left. And Pep Guardiola even said that he was very important to what they did tactically. He's not far removed from playing football, so he knows the rigors of modern football and what these guys go through. Um, but tactically, he sets them up very well, and especially defensively. Uh, Klopp was talking about how, you know, their shape when they defend becomes a 5-4-1, but then they go forward and it becomes like a 3-4-3.
0: Like three, three. And um, they do it so quickly. They don't sacrifice their attack by dropping everyone off. It's not just parking the bus and then throwing one guy forward. Like, they're able to get into that transition lightning quick.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have a Spanish manager who, who came up in the tiki-taka revolution of Spain um, and played a lot of Premier League football. So, they're, they're, they're well coached. They're well led. Um, they're not the arsenal of midseason last year. They're not the arsenal that we beat 3-1 at Anfield. Um, they do have two victories against us at our last two matches. <laughs> Uh, how much stock you want to put into those two victories? Is the charity shield even a victory? It was technically a draw. And 10 years ago, we past- would have shared the trophy, you know, like there's, there's questions about all this sort of stuff, but yeah, I mean, you brought up William too. Uh, just again, it's, it's having players in and around the squad that have won things and know how to win things. And they have that now they all won a thing and they've brought in someone who, you know, whether we want to talk about it or not at Chelsea was very successful and won quite a haul of trophies. Um, a Brazilian international who's played continental football, he's he's been there, done that. And for a free transfer, it's honestly quite a steal.
0: Uh, I don't I didn't want him, but for their level and where they're at, definitely a steal. Yeah. I mean having having guys who have that leadership quality, I mean it's it's it, it sounds so over the top and oh uh, we're just loving on leadership and, and assigning, um, guys being able to go above and beyond. Um, when we don't understand something and you know people who like oh well it's a magic kind of thing where it's just like you say the right words and people will play better but there is some truth to it I mean we could see it from the end of last year just for Liverpool without Jordan Henderson that Liverpool team weren't the same now you know they were all also you know drowning in champagne every night because they have won the league already (laughs) but we've seen it over the last couple of years when they don't have Henderson out there it's not the same team Not to say that the talent isn't there, not to say that the shape isn't there, but having that little extra quality, especially when you are playing a 90-minute grueling match, it does matter. And Arsenal, they've always had talent. There's never been any question about that. Now they just have that little extra bit. So whether it's bringing in a veteran like Willian or just Arteta being able to get everyone to buy in, I think Arsenal kind of have turned the corner. I I mean, I, I think it's the difference between maybe being in seventh or eighth To being in third or fourth it's not like they're going to go and win the league i don't think but it still is a massive difference to be able to go and improve without going and breaking the bank i mean that's that's damn impressive let's let's just be honest
1: yeah um yeah i mean there's no greater uh sign of things turning around than the fact that arsenal fans and arsenal fan tv aren't constantly imploding they're quiet (laughs) right now (laughs) <laughs> they're not constantly imploding every other day or whatever speaking of arsenal fans by the way we did have david sit down as part of our rambling rivals series to talk to our good friend uh arsenal pete as we call him pete garcia uh about his views for arsenal going forward this season here is a little clip from that that you can go check out
2: so then every time you get a new coach in you kind of go on like a little bit of a journey, right? There's always like yeah. an evolution. And you, you and I were talking a lot about kind of how you hope the Emory thing would pan out. We used to, you know, I was kind of telling you, I think over the last few years on several occasions, probably about the kind of the clock journey and how we wanted it to yeah. evolve. So when you look at our Arteta, what's the next step? What do you want to see kind of the evolution pan out to, to provide this year?
3: um good question man so you know um i think the big switch is going to come from you know lining the team up to negate other teams strengths to really putting a team out there that showcases our strength you know there are a few times where you could tell he was trying to go out there and control the ball and and you know, play the possession game, play some of the quick wingy, pacey stuff we saw him do over at City, and, and he just doesn't have the personnel for it. So yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to get there the first half of this season, for sure. Um, I think, we, you know, we'll play with the back three. I think we'll play on the counter. I think, you know, we, we will win games and, and definitely be in a good position on the table through it, but we still won't be in that playing arsenal of the football way zone. Until the second half of the season, of the I, just, I said that.
2: Does your fan base know this? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Man, you know, I, I so I've complained about Arsenal fans for, for years. <laughs> I, I will say that it, you know, the struggles of last season, and we've talked about this. You know, when when Liverpool went through some some hard times, that it, it thinned out some of the fluff from the support, and those that are left, you know, I think are contributing in a good way. I'll say it that way. <laughs> but you know expectations of course are way off you know everybody loves arsenal fan tv and that like that type of um supporter but you know i know enough other types of supporters that know that we're in for the journey here uh, and you know success is measured by our attainment of our potential right you know if our potential is right here and we're performing right at that level then i'm fucking happy if there's a big gap, then we got issues, it is what it is.
1: So there's the rundown, go check out that pod so you can get the rundown on Arsenal season. Uh, they're very excited over there, they, they think they've got something going. And I, yeah, like we just said, they've turned the corner, it's a project. Remember when Jurgen came in, it was a project. We finished seventh our first season. It wasn't spectacular amazing. And then the next season we finished fourth. And then from there, we're challenging for titles, winning Champions League. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, that they're in a similar vein or is on a similar path. But now it's on them to, to perform and, and do the job. And for them, that means going up against the mighty, mighty Reds. And let's turn to the real reason why we're all here today, to look at the team that we love to support, the men in red Liverpool FC coming into this match we do have a point to prove against Arsenal uh they have gotten the better of us the last two matches and uh I think Jurgen Klopp uh is a bit petty in the fact that he doesn't like to be beat so I I expect there's a lot of motivation for us going into this
0: yeah I mean this is certainly a early season big match I mean if you kind of felt that about Chelsea in the last one you certainly have to feel it about Arsenal Um, Chelsea, it's kind of understood that they're not going to be as good now as what they're going to be because they're still trying to figure their whole situation out. Arsenal It kind of feels like for them, they're starting to hit their stride. So I think this is an even bigger match for Liverpool than what you had in the last one against Chelsea. So taking on a team that has had success against you recently and going out and now knowing, okay, we are going to be more at our true self. Uh, compared to where uh, they were just a couple of months ago. I I, I think it's a really nice challenge to have. And I think, like you said, you know, Klopp's a little petty. He he wants to have the best. He wants to have those bragging rights over the other managers. I mean, just ask Frank Lampard about that, right? Like, it's (laughs) it's certainly fair to say. So I do not expect Klopp in either of these matches coming up, because it's going to be just a couple of days apart, Monday for the Premier League match and then going back to the taco bell cup on thursday both against arsenal both at anfield fans or no fans it's still a match that both teams desperately want to win on both of those occasions so i expect it to be full guns going forward for both sides and both matches really yeah
1: um for us uh this is for both teams really but for us this is a test to see whether we have solved the low block because what Arsenal did really well against us is install that low block, the five, four, one, when they're uh, defending their goal Uh, and they exploited us on counterattacks. Now granted in the league match, we gifted them two goals. uh, And the boys were probably a bit drunk still. And that could be explained by that. Allison did not look like Allison. Van Dyke did not look like Van Dyke. Um, And the charity shield was a draw. It did go to penalties, Uh, but you know, Regardless, they earned the wins. They got the three points. They got the, they got the trophy. That's what's fair is fair. Um, but I think in both of those matches, we struggled at a certain point to break down that defensive line that they set up. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadio Mane has a bit of a rivalry going with Rob Holding right now. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has picked up on it, but they have stuck Rob Holding out on that wing to just kick the shit out of Sadio Mane every time he's had the ball. Uh, And Rob Holding has been talking trash to Sadio, and Sadio has been laughing and giggling back, and there's a bit of a rivalry there. But we broke them down for the first goal in that 2-1 last season, but then after that, they really stifled us, Um, which I think kind of leads into a conversation about Thiago Alcantara and his whole purpose of coming to Liverpool. Um, And so I think this is an early chance for us to show the rest of the league, if you thought this was the way to do it, rethink it, and I think it's a great opportunity to kind of put that doubt in teams' heads because if Arsenal comes out and they stifle us and they get like a nil-nil draw or even a 1-1 or they pip the whole thing and they win it, uh, I think the rest of the league starts to look to what Mikel Arteta has done against us and start to do that sort of thing. And then it becomes – on us an onus to do it and like break it down and prove that stop doing that because we don't want teams to show up in a low block. We want them to think that that's the wrong
0: thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think this, the reason why you go and get Tiago is to just let everyone else in the league know we don't care what the hell you do. We're going to find a way to beat you because Tiago is brought in to make that like like we've already said when we've gone and through and talked about it tactically. He's there to make the pass before the pass. He's there to if you think in you know, basketball terms, maybe pass around and shift and move the zone. His whole point is to send it out wide to find Trent or send it out to find Rabo. You're going to find those gaps or those spots where the defense is even in a drawn back side where they are fragile. And that's exactly why he's there. And on top of that, as we saw in the last game for, um, for him against Chelsea, I mean, he's going he's gonna to maintain the ball and complete a ton of passes. What was it, 75 passes he completed in 45 yeah. minutes or something like that? I mean, he set a record for most <laughs> passes completed on a debut. He had more completions than the entire Chelsea midfield for the whole game, for the whole 90 minutes by cool himself. They do. For every entire Chelsea player for the whole 90 minutes. Not or just or the his midfield. entire team, right. So, yeah. like, that's the thing you have, to, you have to look at with Thiago. So, it's going to be tons more chances for Liverpool should Thiago be out there, which we expect him to be. And that's what Arsenal don't want. They want it to be where you have a bunch of possession—sixty, 60, 40, 70, 30, but you're not doing anything with it. Now with Thiago, Liverpool will be a heck of a lot more potent going forward or, you know, looking for that spot, getting into those um, positions where, like, you think of the goal that um, they had for uh, Sadio Mane, the first one against Chelsea, where you get it on the right side. Mo to Bobby, Bobby back to Mo, Mo to Bobby again, Bobby perfect, across uh, and it hits Mo or it hits yeah. uh, Sadio. So it, those are the kinds of plays that you can have when you have two on two or two on one on one side, but you still need someone to get the ball over there to yeah. be able to set that up. And you can't just have, Oh, well we've got a guy who can drive forward and dribble it in. Well, that's not the way it works to beat that kind of low block side. You need to be able to pass it side to side. So I know as much as we hate his fans, Oh, he just passes side to side. <laughs> well, you you kind of need that actually. That's the way you're yeah. going to beat a low block side. I mean, as, yeah. as weird as it sounds, it's those diagonal balls. It's not just going over the top, but being able to get it to someone's feet in a perfectly cushioned way, that's what we're going to need. And Thiago provides that, that. This is what he's here for.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as Al brought up on the post-match from Chelsea, the thing that – like the most noticeable thing from Thiago when he came in was that he just kept the ball moving. And I'm glad you brought up that uh, – the Sadio Mane goal because – More than just the one-two from Bobby and Moe, which was brilliant, is right before that ball gets to Moe for the one-two, is there is a series of passes between Tiago and Keita just outside the box that forces the defense to move side to side a little bit and opens up those gaps. And so – Tiago comes in the play here is that he can find those decisive balls, but he also keeps it ticking and forces the defense to move side to side. A lot of times against the low block, what you see us do is we get the ball out to one of the wingbacks. We play mm-hmm. it down to the winger. And now the winger is one-on-one or two-on-one with their wingback and is trying to run at them or juke them and come into the box. And sometimes we, we get joy out of that, yeah. but a lot of the times it's stifled. But if you have a guy like Tiago, right at the top of the box, as a six, being able to spray around. The defense
0: has to be on their toes. You move them around. That's when gaps open and mistakes are made. And the difference between defending in a low block side, when you got players running at you compared to when it's passed around, if a player is running at you, you can set your feet, get rooted in, and then go and try to make a tackle rather than if it's being passed all over the place, you have to keep shifting, keep moving your feet, and they can get caught off balance, trying to go one way, and the ball comes the other way. And that's what Tiago does. So, Guys, if you hate the side-to-side passing, get used to it. It's a good thing. Yeah. There's a purpose to it. As long
1: as there's
2: yeah, a purpose there's to a it. There's a purpose to it know? more, more yeah. accurately,
0: yeah. yeah. If there's a
1: purpose to the side-to-side passing, it's not a big deal. If, right. if, you know, if, we're, just, if we're back with Allison and Van Dyke stood next to each other, passing well, the ball Yeah, <laughs> A little different, obviously. But, you know, there's context to everything. It's not always black and white. Sometimes a sideways pass is better than a forward pass. Let's just right. be honest um another thing to look for just to round off that that conversation about tiago breaking down the low block it's an opportunity for us to prove that we can break down the low block but also this is a very massive test of arsenal to see how real they are right like we're gonna see if this is really really turn the corner and you're a bit further along the, the path than you think you are or are you still where you probably are right here pushing for top four um And, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll get to see how good Arsenal is. And, honestly, we get to another test of the chasing pack. Like, the the game against Chelsea showed us, in my opinion, that the chasing pack hasn't really closed the gap between us and City. Like, they haven't really caught up and gotten to that stratosphere. Um, But if Arsenal can hang a little better than Chelsea, I think we have to consider that that
0: part of the chasing pack has gotten a little bit closer. Now, I mean, when when your big takeaway from the Chelsea game was that, it was in total control that even before the penalty, because going back to uh, your match reaction, you're like, yeah, it didn't really feel like that close of a game. I mean, for the Arsenal game, are you kind of expecting something kind of similar where it's just keeping them at arm's length where it's like, yeah, it might be only one nil or two nil, but it's not gonna be that close. of a game." Well, so like without like predicting, like, and, and jumping ahead to that, Mm -hmm. um, rather
1: than doing a prediction, what I'll say is this, um, I do kind of expect it to be comfortable because I think we are much better than Arsenal, and I think we have something to prove. But I'll say this. If it isn't as comfortable, that's more of – it's less of a condemnation of our team and more speaks to Arsenal's development as a squad. Um, if it's easy, it, it's not a condemnation of either team, and it's just the reassertion of the fact that Liverpool are clearly so much better than everyone else in the league. Um, but I do expect it to be somewhat comfortable Um, before we do get into like match lineups and predictions. The real question here is Bobby Firmino at Anfield against
0: Arsenal. How many goals does he score? See that? I think that's the question a lot of people don't know how to answer right now because he always scores at home against Arsenal. Yes. And he just had a season where it took him the entire year to score at home. So, oh, yeah. so I'm thinking he might end up bagging a brace just to say middle finger to everybody. This is what yeah. I do. I score against Arsenal. I don't care where we're at. <laughs>
1: Yeah, him and Mo seem to have really fun times against Arsenal. And so I would be looking towards that, especially because I think uh, Kieran, Kieran Tierney is hurt and uh, Kalasinich is having to play on that left side. And Kalasinich is hard and he's, he's a decent left back, but Tierney has had a better time against Mo than any of their left-sided defenders in the last few years. And so him being out is a little bit of a boost. But yeah, Bobby always has a wonderful time against Arsenal. So I'm looking forward to seeing him do that again. <laughs> but so we've kind of talked it out a little bit. Starting 11 lineups,
0: what do you expect, Darius? Well, I think at this point, we know the back five, including Allison, for the most part picks itself. It's just who's healthy at this point? Because we know that Virgil Van Dyke's going to be there. Trent and um, Robbo are going to be back there. But then who's the other center back to pair with Virgil? I'm thinking Joe Gomez should be good to go. He was back in training as of Friday. Um, Fabinho may be in there as well but you know he did get the quick run out in the League Cup 45 minutes uh, in that Taco Bell Cup on uh, Thursday but I'm, I'm still thinking Joe Gomez should be ready to go especially knowing how quick Arsenal are going forward on that side where you're going to see um, on the left side of the attack right side of the defense where you see um, Aubameyang you're going to need some help with someone who's quick Uh, And Joe Gomez, he kind of fits that profile perfectly if he's healthy and ready to go. So that's my back five. Then Tiago, I'm thinking, Nabi, and then give me Genie in my midfield. So it's going to be going forward, bombing forward on the midfield. And then the front three picks itself. Sadio, Bobby, Mo.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, just the quick caveat there. As you mentioned, Joe Gomez back in training Friday. Jordan Henderson out officially ruled out, um, Matip ruled out. So yeah, the center back question is a real question. Um, I think Fabinho got the 45 minute run out because we're preparing him to play against Arsenal just to kind of keep the legs ticking over and the brain thinking like you're a center back. Um, so I think we'll probably see Fabinho back there. I think uh, it's probably a little too quick for Gomez and given that we do are going to play them again on Thursday. Uh, He probably will start there. And we do have another quick turnaround to the Sunday for another league match. So right now this little week is the squad management is very important and rushing him back could be detrimental to the next two games that you have. So I think we'll get Fabinho uh, at center back. And then the only other question is who plays in the midfield. And I really do like your Tiago Keita, Jeannie Vinaldum shout. The reason I like it the most is because when we saw it against Chelsea, Jeannie Vinaldum and we've kind of said this. We've wanted Jeannie Vinaldum to show us Dutch national team, Jeannie Vinaldum. And in the Chelsea game, he was going forward. He was at the end in the box, almost finishing to make it 3-0. And I'm very excited about the idea of Jeannie Vinaldum getting to move forward a little further and having Tiago and Keda there kind of allows that and frees him up a little bit. Um, and i yeah, I would I love to see flying number eight genie vinaldum as opposed to holding six of Jeannie mm-hmm. Vinaldum. Um, and then, yeah, up front, Mo, Mane, Bobby, I don't expect any changes there. Um, but, yeah, that midfield really does excite me, to be completely honest.
0: I mean, it's it's one of those where – I mean, I think we've kind of um, gone through the text exchange. It's like, yeah, that's the FIFA midfield where everyone is playing football manager of FIFA. That's what you want to put together. We're going to take this on and this on and just throw it in. But, I mean, having a number of guys who can be attacking players, but also our box-to-box guys, particularly with uh, Nabi. And with Genie, it, 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 it does everything that you need it to do because you know this is going to be a game that you're probably going to have a lot more possession. So being more attacking-oriented is okay. Um, it's, it's just with, with the way that Liverpool played, I wouldn't be surprised if we then end up seeing maybe Milner in just as a little extra cover. I mean, Klopp, he does in big games tend to go with a more conservative side. But, I mean, as far as what we want to see, I mean, come on. We want to see all the attackers, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the thing, the thing that, you know, we learned about Tiago coming to the club and like seeing him in Chelsea and Klopp said, it's like, no, this guy's world-class. He can bet in. And like, usually when we don't have Hendo, we see Milner cause we lose a lot of that experience and now. But I think with Tiago, we have to recognize that even though he hasn't been part of the project for four or five years, he brings with him a absolute mountain of experience and know-how and how to handle these big matches. Um, He's also been part of many, many Bayern Munich sides that have absolutely thrashed Arsenal in the Champions League. So I think he just needs to kick up some of those memories again. I think Chelsea had the same exact uh, reaction when they saw him come on the pitch. They all descended into you know these bad flashbacks of what had just happened, and I think Arsenal might have the same might have the same effect against them. Uh,
0: you see that dude with the big hand. hair? Out there? You see that, Mo Salah? Yeah, just pretend he's Serge Gnabry. We're good. We're good.
1: <laughs> exactly, but um. <laughs> Yeah, so predictions, predictions,
0: predictions, my friend. What do, how do you see the match going? I do think that it's going to be one of those where people who know and watch Liverpool will come away saying that was an easy, comfortable win. People who don't watch Liverpool all the time are going to be like, wow, that was kind of stressful. But I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a 2-1 win for Liverpool. But it's not going to be really that close. I, I certainly think Arsenal have enough quality going forward where they'll score a goal whether it's through Aubameyang or Lacazette, they'll probably get one. But at the same time, I think it's going to be something like 60, 40, 70, 30 possession for Liverpool, bunch of completed passes. It's going to be more than half of the game played in the final third for Liverpool. It's going to be one of those kinds of games. I mean, we've seen it with Arsenal. They're willing to let other other big teams have the ball and then have their chances. But other than a Kevin De Bruyne, like, they haven't really seen a midfielder recently that is as good as controlling the game in that final third like Thiago. So, I really think that's going to be the difference. So, up the Reds, 2-1. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, you know, part of me thinks that, you know, given that I've just talked up Mikel Arteta's tactical ability and his know-how, that he'll be able to figure out, if we do start Fabinho, how to exploit that area on the pitch and, mm-hmm. and nip a goal at some point. But I do – a part of me also thinks that this Liverpool team is a bit aggrieved with the way Arsenal has come away from these last two matches against them, and they have a point to prove. And I think we've seen over the last two, three years that when this squad has a point to prove, that they go and prove it. Um, and so, like, you know, in this early season, I've been harking back to last year. And last year we beat them 3-1 at home. Um, and I'm just going to say we're going to 3-0, it, actually, and, and keep a clean sheet, and it will be comfortable. And I think people walk, walk away from the match – Liverpool fans walk away from the match in the same comfort zone that we've been in. And like, yep, just as I thought, this team's really boss. Arsenal fans walk away going, you know what? We still got a little bit more work to do. And the league walks away going, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. They're really, really good. We try to get into their heads that they didn't sign anyone. They don't have depth, but then they've gone and done that on a weird weekend and signed everyone possible. And they're really, really good. Um, and I also think there's a chance, just my cheeky shout is we're up 2-0 and we throw Diogo Hota on real late and he scores just a breakaway goal to really seal it. And That, that would be my out-of-the-box <laughs> prediction. Two Bobby goals to make it 2-0 and then Diogo Hota comes on and just flies down the wing and scores a, a late goal to really seal it. Oh, wait, super- that's
0: right. They brought in another Premier League player who's really good.
1: Shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just – for me, like, you know, these early games is like when the league shapes, like, right? Pep Guardiola has said it before, like, you win or lose the league in the first 10 to 12 matches. Um, and last week, it's the second game, and you don't want to put too much stock in it, but that's supposed to be the third best team, and we really did handle them quite easily. And so I think now, because we did that, people turn to go, okay, well, who's actually the third best team? And one of the suggestions could be Arsenal, mm-hmm. and I think if, when we handle them, if we handle them, uh, the rest of the league goes, okay, no, this probably still is a two-horse race, and yeah, Liverpool is clearly better than most everyone in this league. And that's, that's what I think is going to happen. So do you have anything else for Asterias to close out?
0: I think one thing that we really as fans need to have, you know, going forward is just a little patience, right? right? So, all right, we, we could have talked about this earlier, but let, let, let's knock this out real quick. How about these weirdos talking about Nico Williams, man? Yeah. Like Nico Williams took some abuse on social media. He had to actually go private for a minute there on Instagram because People were just giving him the business. And I think for us as fans, it's like, why? If you're an actual fan, right? Not to say these weirdos who are just like trolls. But it's, it's unbelievable you can see someone who is as good as Nico is taking abuse on social media. And it's just like, it, it's one of those reminders where it's like, guys, it's football. It's the most important thing of the least important things. But guys, it's not that serious. Come on. It's also like this, people. I know half of the brain goes, it's
1: social media. They don't read it. They don't care. The other half of the brain, and if you watch the Tottenham documentary, you should see how much the players fret over social media interactions from fans. But you play a part in this. And if you're abusing players after one bad game in a career that could last 12 to 13 years – Uh, you could be doing detriment and harm to to the team and getting in their heads so just why abuse a teenager who's just starting his career and had one bad performance do we not remember Trent Alexander-Arnold getting absolutely burnt burnt and put on toast by Wilfred Zaha against Palace have we forgotten this like you know give the guy the time to develop show him some support you'll never walk alone has to mean something right like it has to mean something and like just relax
0: it was 7-2 who cares (laughs) <laughs> like that's what i'm saying like I, I i watched the entire game and i'm like i didn't even realize like i, or I didn't remember like nico i mean sure he wasn't memorable but it's was like did he really play that poorly like he wasn't yeah. Trent. that that's all i can say about it yeah and like we all like to we all like
1: to big up ourselves like we see in the tiago video tiago watching the twitter video of his song and we all like to bigger up ourselves for that but obviously if they're looking at the, the good stuff they probably sometimes see the bad stuff And you should consider what your stupid tweet trying to bash a teenager (laughs) really is. (laughs) It's useless. It's counterproductive. It doesn't accomplish anything. I'm sure Nico felt he didn't play very well and he wants to improve. He doesn't need a whole worldwide network of Liverpool Twitter photos going after him and little egg people going after him. It's just it's
0: it's nonsense and counterproductive and i'm glad i'm glad you brought it up to close out the episode with that hey man, it's just one of those things as fans where it's like you can lose your head and be arsenal tv or you can be nice calm reserved and prevail. Like cool yeah. yeah so darius take us away all right guys this has been a fantastic episode i hope you all appreciate it and more than anything else i hope y'all are looking forward to a couple of wins against arsenal jordan appreciate yes. your time man Appreciate your time, Darius. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Up the Reds. Up the Reds.